actually wrote a book is Kid Capitalist. That's where that came from. So this book, Kid Capitalist, I didn't write, I wrote it for my kids more than anything. I didn't write it. And it's not a how to start a business type of a book. It has more lessons in it, like how to be a servant leader, how to treat people, giving mm. value for value. And you know, one of my favorite rules is 12 rules for kids that every kid should know about owning a business. One of my favorite ones is the platinum rule. And the golden rule says to treat others as they would, uh, as, as you have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Okay, Money Talkers, I am back with a new episode. I have a uh, special treat for you today. I have someone who is a lifelong entrepreneur. Uh, he's passionate about helping other entrepreneurs grow and scale, make an impact, and leave a legacy. Uh, Toby is a father of two. He's got Bo is 16 years old and Scarlett's 14. He's been married to his wife, Kirsten, for 22 years. He's currently working on a project called Repurpose Initiative that we're going to dive into. It's comprised of three different pillars, all of them help aiming at helping out business owners and entrepreneurs access and leverage the knowledge and experience of the group. The three pillars are member-provided training, peer-to-peer -peer coaching, and access to a community of relationships and accountability. You can learn more about repurposeinitiative.org, and we're going to dive into it and find out more about Toby Brockner. Toby, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Cody. And I, I, I feel like a cow walking through tall grass right now. I'm utterly tickled to be here. <laughs> There's a good dad joke for you. I hope you got more of those because that's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> I told that joke in church when I was 12 years old to the to the congregation, and they were just stone faced. And I, I thought oh, it was hilarious. How can you not laugh at a funny 12 year old uh, at least stepping out of his bounds? I thought it was funny. Whatever. <laughs> that's what's important, though, right? <laughs> Well, hey, man, I'm really excited to talk to you. You and I have been in this long uh, community with ClickFunnels and, uh, and online entrepreneurs, and it's great just kind of online community of people uh, trying to strive for better things. And um, your name came up a bunch of times as I was talking to people. And uh, I really want to kind of dive into your story. So um, if you don't mind, I mean, if you want to start with kind of a little bit about like where you started at um, and tell me a little bit of background to you. Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, so I grew up in Louisiana. Um, I lived there until I was 18 years old and I moved out to uh, Idaho. I came out to here. I live here now. I've been here for 20 plus years now. Um, but I moved to Idaho to go to school and wrestle. And uh, I liked food too much. And so I didn't wrestle. I was sick of cutting weight. You know, it was pretty tough. But I met my wife in college. She's from Boise. I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. And when we were getting married, we were trying to decide on where to settle down. And the choice was Boise or Shreveport. And it was a pretty easy choice for me. Um, I was ready to get out of town anyway. And so we made Boise our home, been here for 
we live actually in Meridian right outside of Boise, but we've been here for 22 years almost ever since we got married. Beautiful country, man. I just was there this year for, uh, one of the, one of the, um, events and, uh, I was surprised on the weather out there. I was just from being from Florida. I think everywhere north of like Louisiana, like you're talking about, is just full of snow for six months. Yeah. No, we actually have four different seasons, which I like a lot. You know, I, um, it, you, you actually get the seasons. I mean, in, in Louisiana, there's three seasons. There's, there's summer, there's uh, spring, and then there's, you know, Christmas. <laughs> so, three that's what i tell people in florida is like you buy like when you buy a snow you know you buy a uh, winter coat you better really like it because it's going to last 20 right. years you're going to wear it three yeah. times a year yeah so i love boise you know it, it's a great place it's booming i'm kind of bummed we're getting a lot of people move in um boise made like a bunch of top 10 lists and so people are kind of moving here in droves from california and different places and so changing the dynamic a little bit but it's still like a small enough town to where you feel like you kind of know everybody but big enough to where there's stuff to do and it's a good, good economy and i literally live like two minutes from the click funnels headquarters so i'm like so right what'd you do there. when you got uh when you guys decided to get married what did you start doing so i went to uh when we got married i was still in college my wife um was is an interior designer and uh she was working and putting me through school when I graduated uh, Boise State, uh, this was probably, this was December of 2002, and I went to work for a financial advisory firm. Uh, I wanted to be Warren Buffett. That was like my big dream, you know, until I realized I wasn't very good at it. And um, I was selling insurance and, and annuities, things like that. And uh, I, I had to kind of do my own marketing. Um, they didn't give me a lot of support that way. And so I, I hired uh, some kids from my college days um, who were still going to school and I had uh, landed a fairly sizable client with a big uh, commission attached to the annuity I sold him and so I took that money and I invested into a, uh, setting up a marketing arm and um, I started doing that full-time in August of 2003 so it didn't take very long for me to realize that I liked the marketing side of it much more than I liked the financial advising side of it. And so I started selling leads to other insurance agents in town and uh, it just sort of kind of took off from there. And that's, that's what I basically did for about 15 years or so until recently um, I got out of it. I just kind of, I think I kind of got burned out on it. Yeah. You know, I I'd been doing it for so long and I finally wanted to take the knowledge and skills that I knew and apply it to my own thing, not client things necessarily. So that, that was kind of the trajectory. Are you uh are you part of the stereotypical entrepreneurial life like me where you just got to like keep moving and killing stuff? Yeah. And I've done all kinds of crazy businesses too in the past. I mean, I, you know, we had this marketing company that we were doing, but we would always try to start new things. I, I started a mobile oil change company, which is idiotic because I've never changed <laughs> oil before in my life. Um, that was a, that was an event, an experience. I started an MMA gym about 10 years ago. I got into MMA really heavily and I actually had a cage fight. You know, I'm such a lunatic. I can't just go and train. I've got to do the fighting and I'll build the gym and all that crap, you know? So <laughs> oh, you want to do yeah. MMA? Yeah. Let's start a gym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let's go big time. Let's, let's join the UFC. Uh, it, yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, and so what do you, so as you got through that, you would start, um, the lead company, what did you, did you just shut it down? Did you, what'd you do with it? 
No, I actually ended up parting ways. That company we ran for about 10 years. I had some partners and we sort of diverged in our philosophy of where we wanted to take the business. It was all basically call center based. We started out doing like old school direct, uh, lead generation via cold calling telemarketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would call, you know, people and say, Hey, we've got an annuity that pays 3%. Yours is probably paying less than 1%. Can we get a meeting? And I mean that back then that, that worked shockingly well. People had landlines, they would pick up the phone. They're always trying to squeeze another percent or two out of their annuities. And so that worked really well. And we would just generate leads and then turn around and sell them to, to the insurance agents that wanted them. Um, about 2000 and uh, I want to say 12 ish, 13, I started m- trying to move the business more towards the digital side. This was kind of back when Facebook had just sort of launched their new ad platform. Um, social media was kind of taking over. Um, Google AdWords was becoming more robust and, and more sophisticated and with the retargeting and just various things. And so my vision was to take it more into the digital age and move more towards these platforms. And my partners were like, hey, we're doing 10 million a year in revenue. Why are you rocking the boat? And my whole thing was because everything's got a shelf life. Nothing's yeah. going to last. This thing is not going to last the way it is in its current form. We have to start making moves now or we're going to get left behind. And uh, that's what happened. I left in 20, into 2013 and that business ended up folding in about 2016. So it took about two more years for it to die off. But uh, I had already launched a new creative agency I called V Squared Creative and was kind of running that at the time. So um, I dodged that bullet a little bit. Well, they, uh, you know, they say nothing's, um, what is it? Nothing's, nothing's, uh, the same, but change, right. Or what is it? It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. The only constant is change. That's the only constant is change. True. That's it. And that's, uh, you've got to, you've got to keep reinventing. Cause as you were talking about that, I was thinking you were trying to turn it from outbound to inbound. Right. So the, yeah, the we, yeah, you. we, we started with outbound, just hardcore lead generation. And then we yep. moved more towards inbound, like order taking stuff. Like we had a client and they own the rights to the sell George Foreman grills, like in the, in Southeast Texas. And so they had like the George territory. Foreman had franchises to <laughs> the territories. That's- yeah. He, he would sell territories to these guys and they would buy the licensing rights to do it. What a genius, they would, man. As, fun, as, fun, as much as like you see George Foreman, like you think, ah, he probably, that, that business, he took one little grill business and then any territory. That's amazing. Yeah. 400 million or so he made yeah. off of that thing. <laughs> so they would, they would have, they had a little eight person call center down in Texas somewhere and they would run the infomercials and then any of the overflow would come to us. And so we would sell the, the grills, but, but it was just work like that, that we were doing. Um, and again, it was like, it was good. It was lucrative, but I also knew that things were shifting in a way that there was a bigger opportunity in the digital space. Yeah. And so as you've gone through that and you've got into uh, repurpose now, what do you, what's your vision for that? So repurpose initiative, that was actually an idea I had six years ago. I thought of it the same time I, I launched uh, V squared creative. So I had these two ideas. One was like, okay, I'm going to branch off and do this agency thing. And I've, but I've got this other idea that I think is a really good idea, repurpose initiative. And I had to pick one because, you know, I, I, we try to do too much. We spread ourselves too thin. And so I already had clients. I had already hired a few people for my agency. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to give that a good run. And I'm going to, when I get time, which is a misnomer, you never have time. When I have more time, I'll work on repurpose. 
and it just never happened, you know, but the way repurpose initiative came about was um, it actually, the backstory to that goes way, way back to when I was a kid, a teenager, I was 13. My grandfather had passed away from cancer. He was 55 years old. And um, I didn't realize what a tragedy that actually was until later in life when I was an adult, because he had built a business up to millions of dollars in revenue. And in, in rural Louisiana, down in Monroe, Louisiana, where I was born, you know, where the Duck Dynasty guys are or whatever. Anyway, he, uh, he built that business up to millions of dollars a year. He was very introverted, though, very quiet, kept to himself. He's a lot like me. I've had family members tell me, you know, oh, my God, you're exactly like your grandfather. And I, I didn't really know him very well because he was I – he, he died when I was pretty young. But even then, he was sort of – always kept a distance a little bit. But uh, – he died with all that knowledge, all that experience. And I, and I realized, you know, what a tragic thing that actually was that mm. years and years of, of knowledge and experience, just poof, gone. And I thought, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, what are my kids going to know about what I do and what I've learned? And so I actually wrote a book is Kid Capitalist. That's where that came from. So this book, Kid Capitalist, I didn't write, I wrote it for my kids more than anything. I didn't write it and it's not a how to start a business type of a book. It has more lessons in it, like how to be a servant leader, how to treat people, giving mm. value for value. And you know, one of my favorite rules is 12 rules for kids that every kid should know about owning a business. One of my favorite ones is the platinum rule. And the golden rule says to treat others as they would, uh, as, as you, you know, you would you have them, them treat you. Yeah. And in my mind, that's inherently kind of selfish. Like <laughs> you may not, you may not want me to treat you the same way I like to be treated and vice versa. So the platinum rule says to treat others the way they want you to treat them. And it takes into account and that, and, and that empathy. Anyway, so it's lessons that's, like that. That's funny about the golden rule though thing, because I always thought the same thing, like, like, wait, I only have to treat you nice because I want to be treated nice. Like, right, right. You know, I mean, I get the concept, but it's like, you know, I, I don't really love the whole, you know, uh, you're not doing it for the right reasons. I believe in reasons, yeah. you know, and about purpose yeah. and about, you know, the things that you're, that's behind the, the decisions. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where the platinum rule sort of takes over is it's like, you know, treat people the way they want you to treat them, not not just how you want to be treated. So anyway, those were the kind of rules in the book. And so repurposing, I started thinking about that. And I started thinking, you know, I have a, I was sitting in a conference, I remember it was a marketing conference, there's about 300 of us in a room. And I'm looking around the room and this, this, this idea of, of my grandfather passing away, the speaker said something to trigger and I, I wish I could remember what it was, but I started thinking about that. And I was looking around the room and I was like, man, what if we could like somehow extract all of the knowledge and experience and expertise of everyone in this room and package it up? Like, what would that be worth? Oof. I mean, you're talking hundreds of millions or, or, or more in, in value. And so I, it, it hit me like, what if I could do that? What if I could try to do that? And so I started thinking of ways like, how do I repurpose this information that's in our head to deliver it in a way that would benefit everyone? And so the repurpose initiative is my attempt at doing that. And in the three pillars that you kind of read earlier in the introduction, it's member provided training, peer to peer coaching, and access to community accountability and relationships. And so member provided training, for example, let's say you come in and you want to join repurpose, then you would offer and do some sort of a training 30 to 60 minutes long in your area of expertise. And then I could go in and I could learn from you from that training and that course that you created and added to the group. And anybody could do that. Anyone in the group has access to that information. 
Well, I don't know about you, Cody. I've sometimes gone through courses where I get stuck and it, I don't see how it applies to me specifically and I have questions and I wish that I could just tap the person for five to 10 minutes, pick their brain a little bit and get them to help me. Well, the peer-to-peer -peer coaching does that. So everyone in the group also agrees to make themselves available for say five to 10, 30 minute Zoom calls per month. And I can get on the calendar, your calendar or their calendar or whoever's, and I can pick their brain for 20 or 30 minutes and they can do the same thing for me and anyone else in the group. And then the third part is the accountability. It's an optional piece if people wanna get into small groups that have weekly calls to hold each other accountable, they can do that. But I felt like that was a really good way, a platform in order to kind of do that, extract all that value and that knowledge out and then package it up in a way that benefits everyone in the group. And as Forrest Gump said, a rising tide is gonna lift all our dinghies. <laughs> well, they, uh, I mean, I love, the, I love the concept because, you know, it, the, I, I, I completely believe that we're in the self-education area. So if there's something you want to know and you don't know how to do it, like you have no excuses right now to not go out and get that information. And then having that mindset of being able to say, okay, I'm going to go get this thing. I'm going to have that hustle inside of me. But also if you have someone delivering it for the purpose of just to deliver what their passion or what their knowledge is or what they're bringing out, you're not going to get the, uh, the sales pitch, right? right. You're yeah. going to get the actual, meat and potatoes hopefully you know and that's i think that if people are delivering this with the right kind of intention behind what they're doing it for is that i think you're gonna i think you're gonna unlock an unbelievable amount of knowledge yeah and we you know we experimented with this with a another kind of an offshoot program for aimed at kids we called it passport to boise and passport to boise was the same sort of concept where we would get i had i went out and talked to 40 or 50 business owner friends of mine clients and, and people I knew in the community and said, Hey, I want you to this summer, I want you to give a, a, a workshop at your place of business for kids. You might have 10 to 15 kids show up. Um, I want you to do three of them uh, a year. So during it was a summer program. So June, July and August, I want you to do one workshop per month. And for, you know, an hour or so, and I got two types of responses. One was, well, what's in it for me? Like, why would I want a bunch of kids coming into my office? Um, those weren't a good fit. Those, you know, we, we sort of tabled that discussion Not and said, okay, people. you know what? Yeah, no, <laughs> no big deal. The second response was, this is an awesome idea. I would love to give back to the community. How can I help? Like, what do you need me to do? And those were the people that I were looking for, that I was looking for. And so these kids would buy a passport booklet for 10 bucks and then they could just go to any workshop that they wanted to all summer long. Um, parents loved it cause it got them out of the house and it got them off the Xbox or whatever. And uh, the kids loved it because they were learning something new. And that was my idea to kind of expose these kids to a variety of different businesses and entrepreneurship because my son, Bo, when he was like seven, I'm like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he's like, well, maybe a policeman or a fireman, you know, give me the like, seven year old boy answers or whatever. And I'm like, well, what about owning a business? And he said, well, I didn't even know you could do that. And I was like, well, what the hell you think I do, you knucklehead? That's, I'm a business owner, man. I, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, and I realized that that was my fault, you know, and that's one of the big reasons I wrote this book, Kid Capitalist, was to say, look, you have options. There are different things out there. The worst thing in the world is for some kid who's 19, he's in college, his grandfather was an accountant, his dad was an accountant, so he's going to school to be an accountant, and he really wants to be a graphic designer. And he graduates college and he wants to drive his car into a tree after work every day because he's not living a life that fires him up and lights him up. Now, if he'd have been exposed to graphic design as a kid, maybe that would have changed the whole trajectory of his life.
right? So that was the whole point of that thing. And the repurpose initiative is an attempt to do that with adults and saying, look, we all have something to give. We all have expertise, whether we think we do or not. There is something, some sort of impact that you can leave that will benefit other people. And that's what we're trying to accomplish with this. And that's a, uh, that is a, an extremely um, lofty goal, but I believe in shooting for lofty goals because otherwise you can't change the world, right? Yeah. And, uh, and if you don't dream big, nobody else is going to do it. So I, I really like the idea that people can bring their talents to it in a, in an open format. Right. And that's, 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 what's really cool is that you're getting, it's almost like what you said. So, you know, instead of the guy going, what's in it for me, not my people. Right. And you got a business owner. It's like, Hey, you know what? I'll hop on there and teach for an hour. Yeah. You know, uh, what do you want me to teach about? And it's like, man, what do you know best? Like what can bring most of value? And it's a different way to look at it. It's, it's, uh, you know, and I'm sure you've probably heard it cause we've been around a lot of some of the same circles, but like, it's like, you know, the, the, who do you save first type of deal with the coast guard, right? It's the people swimming towards the raft, yeah, you know? Exactly. And so, or swimming towards the, towards the helicopter or whatever. And so it's like, you know, you're getting people's buy-in that way. And that's really cool. I want, I want to ask you though about writing that book for your kids. Cause that, um, that really struck a chord with me, you know, because I spend a lot of time talking to my kids about, business and how things work and money and that kind of stuff. And I obviously started a company called money talkers. So in a podcast called money talkers. So clearly it's important to me, but um, when you got that idea, because I think that's leaving a legacy to your kids, no matter if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, or if you live to be 85, 90 years old, they're still going to have something to say your grandkids, you know, there's a legacy piece there to that. When you decided that that was something that you wanted to do, what did you do to get started to do that? So fortunately, I had already written one book before this, so I kind of knew the process. Uh, and that book was about how to start and grow mastermind groups. Um, I've always been very passionate about mastermind groups. But the way I wrote Kid Capitalist, it was, it was sort of interesting. I went back to my publisher and I told her this idea that I had for this book. And and um I brought an outline. I said, these were 12 things that I had jotted down. And I already had the 12 things because I had journaled them before. I was like, okay, what do I want my kids to know? And I would jot things down. So I already kind of had an outline, a table of contents, basically. And so I brought the table of contents to her. And anybody can do this, whether you have a publisher or not. You can self-publish exactly this model. I went to her and I said, here's my table of contents. She came up with a list of four or five questions per chapter. And then we sat down and she asked me the questions and I just talked about it and we recorded it. Hmm. And then we had that, re that recording transcribed and I delivered it to an editor who went in and made it sound like a book. And then she gave it back to me and I made it make sure I, it sounded like me. And that was it. It took me about 30 days really? to write this book. It was very fast. Cause I, like I said, I already had all the stuff in my head. It was just getting it out um, in, a, in a systematic way. And the publisher helped me do that and get it organized but it was it was really simple i mean i i this was a book that i didn't even write <laughs> i spoke it you know and here it is on paper that's that's awesome man and i think that um i think there's a lot of parents out there that uh should do that you know whether it's even publishing to uh you know a fully published produced book or just the thoughts that you want to have so I, i'm i'm so i lost my dad when i was 19 and i know the conversations that i would have had with him from 19 to 30 
would have been markedly different from the conversations yeah. that I had with him from zero to 19 because I had just got to college and, you know, obviously I was growing up and I was, he was a coach for me for my whole life. And at this point he wasn't, and it was time to like, you know, for lack of a better term, it's like, go have a beer with dad, you know, and like yeah. really dig into things that he would have never told me when I was 15, you know? Right. And uh, yeah. I miss, I, I miss those insights. I mean, I'm, I, I have a lot of stuff ingrained in me, but I miss those insights. And I think that's a really powerful thing, man. Yeah. And you know, you always get, you can get the same information at different points in your life or different spots in your journey, and they're going to mean different things to you. Um, you know, that just even click funnels, as an example, going to funnel hacking live, you know, last week, you hear a lot of the same stuff, but it hits you differently because you're in a different spot in your journey. And, and it is too bad, you know, that you kind of missed that. Um, but that's, that, that also sort of underscores the importance of keeping a good record of these things and writing them down and, and being able to pass them along. Yeah. And I know that uh, there are some sayings that uh, kind of um, grew up with me that have really kind of meant a lot of different things to me along my life, yeah. you know, that he gave me, my mom gave me that like, and you know, about how true they got the older I got, you know, as a kid, it was like, just blew them off, you know, but it like stuck in there. And so that's one of the reasons like with doing money talkers, I want to facilitate these talks because you don't understand the impact that you can have, you know, until you don't know what, you don't know what the seeds looking like while you plant it. And so as you do those things and you're kind of, you know, leaning through like where you're talking about, like, dude, you don't even know I'm an entrepreneur. Like what do you, <laughs> you know, right. I'm a business owner. Like, how do you not know that? You know? Yeah. And, uh, and so just even like that though, but walking them into, into businesses where they can say, Hey, you know, this is what these guys do behind the scenes. Like you just walk into a store and you buy a donut. Like you don't, you know, you don't really think about the guy getting up at four o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah. Well, and it was, it was really interesting too, because some of the, a lot of these business owners were going in and because they're in it every day, they don't see what they do as interesting or, or fascinating, but these kids were, totally engaged and fascinated with a lot of what they were doing. Um, I mean, we had guys who were, had HVAC companies to pawn shops to assisted living facilities and being able to sort of peel back the curtain and saying, you can make money doing this. Like we did for me, for V squared creative, we did like a drone workshop. We went out and that was one of the more popular ones. Obviously we went to a park and flew a drone and took the video back to our office. And then we put it in premiere pro and showed them how to edit video. Um, I, the biggest thing I wanted to have happen from that was 10, 12, 15 years from now, some kid who went through that program and they're, they're going to apply for a job at a, at an agency or somewhere. And they, and the, the interviewer says, why did you decide to go into video editing as a, as a career? And they say, you know, when I was 10, I went through this thing called passport to Boise and they showed us how to video edit video drone video. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, that was the sort of impact I was hoping to make you know, from that and really help kind of not necessarily change the tra trajectory of these kids' lives, but put them on the right path that already existed, something inside of them that they just didn't understand yet. So in thinking through what you did with your book, because that was more of like some of the things that you purposely set out realizing that you weren't training, right? And then so, but do you, how, I mean, you've got uh, 14 and 16, right? Yeah, yeah. Bro yeah. just turned 16 last week and Scarlett turned 14 last week. So they're so getting ready to... What's that? They're two years and a day apart. They, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, my daughter's eight and my son is fixing to turn uh, six uh, this week. So I've got right. right around kind of the same thing, just a little smaller version. 
all downhill wow. from here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh well you know they're they're getting ready to go out um you know they're gonna get they're gonna get the money lessons of the world um you know whether they're armed or not with the information and so i'm curious as someone like yourself that sounds like you you have some strategicness to the way you think about things right and so yeah. what are you what are you preparing because you're at a stage right now that a lot of people who are going to be listening are going to be in and so what are you consciously like like setting apart to teach them or to prepare them well, one of the big things, especially with my son, Bo, he's a little more aggressive with this than Scarlett is. She's, you know, she plays volleyball and is very into school and sports and not thinking too much about that stuff. But Bo is at an age now where he's 16. He can go and get a job. Uh, he can make his own money. And, you know, he, he went out and was starting to look for jobs. But one of the things that I've always encouraged him to do is to not think so traditionally. Like, you don't have to go work at Arby's if you don't want to a lot of parents like they're like, you got to go get a job and pay your own way and everything. But there are more than one way to skin a cat. And so he, he's like, Hey, I want to go look at the Meridian public auction website and find stuff on there and see if I can buy it and flip it. And I'm, and I said, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know? And he went and bought a handful of lawnmowers and it's like wintertime right now. And he's kind of cleaned them up and 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 he got them for dirt cheap like ten dollars a piece or something he's turning around and selling them on facebook marketplace for like 80 90 100 dollars. and so he's making you know 90 bucks in two hours where his buddies are making ten dollars an hour they got to work a nine hour shift or 10 hour shift after taxes to get that same 90 dollars. and so Whatever. he's they're like how are you doing that and they're, they're now coming to him asking him how to do it and i'm like you got to create a course man <laughs> <laughs> so Let me show you I mean, what a funnel is <laughs> right yeah <laughs> When we went to that event back in um, August in Denver, Unlock the Secrets, I brought my kids with me. He built a funnel that night. He bought a bunch of uh, watches from Alibaba from China, got them imported in, and uh, built a, a, a free plus shipping um, funnel with watches. And so he, he, and he built it in about two hours, you know, like I'm remembering my journey. When I first started using ClickFunnels, it took me days and days to build a funnel. He, he just whipped it up. And um, it's because they grew up with that technology, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm 42, about to be 43. So I kind of grew up right in that weird, graduated in 95 when AOL was just coming, you know, out. And so I'm, I'm this weird hybrid of analog and digital, you know, and a lot of these kids now, they have no idea. They can't even tell time on a wristwatch anymore that's analog. And so, uh, or drive a manual stick shift or whatever, because it's just not, it's just arcane to them. Yeah. So, they don't need to. Same reason I can't drive a I, I horse and buggy. I've tried to be very, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But, I, you know, I've tried to be very intentional about not, the, the biggest thing, the worst thing we can do right now, because when you're an adult, there's plenty of time to be practical. There's plenty of time to worry about bills and, and stuff. Like right now, when they're a kid, they, they shouldn't have to worry about any of that. Like right now is the, the, the best time for them to let their imagination just run wild and just and dream huge and say, what is possible? Or even if it's not, what is impossible that I can try to make possible and not limit them in any way and say, you got to be practical. You gotta, there's plenty of time for that. Now, for me personally, and I'm not trying to tell anybody how to parent, but for me and my kids, that's what I really try to do is not limit their imagination, no matter how crazy it sounds. He got scammed on eBay. 350 bucks. He wanted to buy an iPhone. And the guy said, I've got an iPhone for sale. Um, I'll sell it to you for $350, but you have to send me a, uh, eBay gift card 
that's how I take payment. And I, right away, I'm thinking, ding, ding, or, you know, red flags, that didn't sound right. And he said, no, I think it's legit. And I, and I, I could have very easily stepped in and said, no, you don't do that. You're going to lose your money. I let him do it. He lost $350. He'll remember that for the rest of his life. You know, he wouldn't have remembered me maybe stopping him and telling yeah, him. A couple things it. on that I, um, that I, I, I 100% agree with is one, don't stifle their ideas. Right. And, and I believe in that. And because like you said, it's not time to be practical. It's time to teach. Okay. Let them find out if it's not practical, but give them tools to guide them to say, okay, well, let's think about this. You want to open up like my eight year old right now wants to open up a, a doggy daycare over the summer. And I'm like, okay. She's like, okay, we're going to have a shed and we're going to have this and we're going to have that. And I'm like, okay, well, business wise, like, where are you going to get the money for a shed? Well, how much is a shed? Sheds like thousand bucks. Oh, well, maybe we don't need a shed. <laughs> I'm like, but it's not for me to be like, no, you can't do that. But we say, okay, let's put it on paper. You know, like how much are you going to charge per dog and how much are you going to do for this? You know, and, uh, and, and then the other thing I think that, uh, what you just said that I heard is, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like you got to stand back and let them fall because I learned my biggest lessons in life from falling and getting back up. And, uh, <laughs> I learned not to do things. And so like you said, you, you could have easily jumped in on an eBay transaction that the, you know, because you know, all the red flags because you've done the internet stuff and there really isn't a prince in Nigeria trying to wire you $8 million. Right. right? right. And, uh, but he's not going to do that again. Right. You know, and that's, that's important to, I think you got to be involved to limit that, you know, to where there's like, there's a line where you can't cross that. But I also think it's okay to like, hey, man, what if he was buying that iPhone and he sent a guy a $350 eBay card and he got an iPhone and he turned around and flips it for 700 bucks, yeah. right? Or in his mind, that's you're the one that always stopped them to, from doing it. Right. Well, and there's a cost you know, him 350 there, by not letting him flip it, right, or whatever. And that's a, that's, a, that's a good point because when he was like nine, eight or nine, he wanted to do a summer camp for kids and he was going to do water balloon fights and uh, – a treasure hunt and all these he just came up with this whole big list of things he was going to do and he said yeah i'm going to sell the tickets they're going to be 20 dollars each and my my wife was like no one is going to pay 20 dollars for their kids to come and do that he had 20 kids show up 20 bucks a pop. he paid 400 he's nine years old and all he did all he did was organize a bunch of fun activities and so he got a win on that and if we would have not let him do that a he would have missed out on that opportunity but B, he would have been, you know, I can't bring ideas to my parents because they'll just shoot them down. That's it. I'm, my default answer to my kids is yes. Yeah, me too. For right or wrong, good or bad, my wife says no. So we strike a good balance. But the, those are our two defaults. My, my daughter even says, my daughter do. says that. She picked it up at like seven years old. She's like, yeah. she's like, I know who to ask first if I want a yes. <laughs> right. You know? And that's why I, she, I, my I, wife is much more protective than I am. And they're like, hey, can we do this? I'm like, I yeah, do. go for it. I wouldn't do it. And they're like, well, we got to figure out now what that means when I say I wouldn't do it. You need that balance, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. We'd probably all be homeless if I was in charge over here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you 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 give them a chance to fail, you give them a chance to yeah. succeed. But more than most importantly, you give them a chance to dream. Absolutely. Don't don't put don't give them our limitations, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a great thing to think about. Is that uh, you know, we we can we don't need to shut their ideas down because we're not teaching them to have ideas. Well, look, the world's about to do that in droves anyway. We don't need to add to it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. There's, there's going to be enough. 
they need somebody in their corner cheering them on, right? That's my that's always my theory. Is like I tell them, no. like, look, you can't fail. The only way you can fail is if a you don't try or b you don't learn from failing, right? Yeah. You either you either succeed or you better learn you know something from what you tried and get better at it. Because I'm a guy that opened up a whole bunch of businesses and a few of them succeeded, and the ones that succeeded were you know pretty large companies, and at the end of the day, I could never have done those if I hadn't run into the brick wall in the beginning if i hadn't learned about massive failure i wouldn't have known what not to do when i had massive success you know yeah well and there's there's like you said there's a fine line especially when it comes to your kids like the whole ebay thing like he just said yeah the guy wants to meet me in a parking lot i I, absolutely you're not letting happen right but you know i'll let him get scammed for 300 bucks that'll that'll teach a good lesson so what did you do with your eBay? Said, you know, so what did you do with your eBay card? Yeah. <laughs> did you ever give him the iPhone or what? <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, hey, listen, I'm gonna. Uh, I, I I think we've got to go at this point right now, but I want to say thank you so much, man. It's uh it's fun to dive into this stuff with you, especially with where your kids are at, because it's almost like a a little preview for me. Uh, you know, and I, and I get to pick your brain on, on the things that you can do and that you find to be successful because I've always been somebody who said that you need to copy success. Like you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, to see people that are doing well and with, with, with someone where, uh, and doing some of the things you want to do, just figure out what they're doing and talk to them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on, man. It was a good time. Absolutely. So listen, Toby Brockner, uh, I'm going to say your whole name so people know who to, who to look for. But uh, again, where do they find you if they want to find more of you? Yeah, the best way um, right now, if you want to head over to repurposeinitiative.org, I'm in the middle of kind of revamping that website a little bit, but it's it, that's actually the website up currently as it stands that I built six years ago. Really? Um, <laughs> I, had, I had put it up and just sort of forgot about it, but there... Um, you can also find if you uh, search for repurpose initiative on Facebook, there's a page and a group that you can join. If the, if, if your audience members in particular, if they're entrepreneurs or business owners want to come in and, and contribute and join that program, love to have them. Um, you can find me on uh, Amazon too, Toby Brockner. And, and uh, there's, you can grab a copy of Kid Capitalist if you want. Fantastic, uh, man. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you being on with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Alrighty. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids' financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.